Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Friends, again, good evening and Merry Christmas. There is... There's nothing like Christmas masses. Am I right? I mean, come on. Like, this is so beautiful. It's just so good for us to be together. I want to say a word of welcome to anyone who's visiting from uh, outside of Sacred Heart. As Deacon Rich always says, if you're visiting, you're always welcome here at Sacred Heart. Come always to our liturgies. What's the line? Come always. Come every time. Bring your checkbook. What do you say? <laughs> bring, bring your teeth to be cleaned. I didn't make fun of him earlier. I had to make fun of him tonight. It's good to have you joining us here at Sacred Heart as we celebrate, right, as we celebrate our Savior's birth, our Savior's birth. That's where I want to start tonight. That's where I just want to just kind of uh, focus tonight on this thing that we say so easily at Christmas. We said it in the psalm, today is born a Savior, right? It's what the angel says. Luke tells us, Luke tells us in the gospel we just heard, the gospel that's all so familiar. In that region, there were shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. And appearing to them was an angel who said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, for behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For today in the city of David, a Savior, in Greek that's soter, a deliverer, a Savior, a Deliverer, has been born for you, who is Christ and Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. If you can, just in your, in your mind, in your imagination, put yourself in, in the position of those shepherds. It's a very quiet night. Things are very still. The stars are bright overhead. And all of a sudden... The glory of the Lord, the word in Hebrew, the Shekinah, the full manifestation of God's beauty and glory and majesty suddenly breaks into your quiet and calm. And if you're one of those shepherds, if you're there, you're at a total loss for words for what's in front of you, this unbelievable radiance of beauty and glory and majesty. It's this unimaginable scene and I mean, it's the understatement of the century. Fear filled them all. You think? You think? Right, this unimaginable scene is unveiled before your eyes, this angelic visitation, this booming voice, this declaration. And then it says, Luke says, a multitude of the heavenly hosts appears in the heavens crying out, glory to God in the highest. And we're so used to hearing those words, we think, oh, the angels are saying the Gloria, right? We know the Gloria, right? That's not what they're doing. Yeah, those are the words of the Gloria, but we don't, I don't want us to think for a moment here that they're just, you know, on golden harps singing a church hymn. The word there in Greek is a whole stratios appeared in the heavens. What is that word? It means an army. It's where we get like the word strategic or strategy, a whole battalion, the the full company of the angelic army appears in the heavens, beating their chest, declaring this battle cry of glory to God in the highest. We hear that hymn as just a nice church song that we sing at the beginning of Mass in ordinary time, right, and on feasts and solemnities. It was the battle cry of heaven. 
Yeah, I think you'd be a little bit afraid if you were an angel, right? So you're, if you're a shepherd, you're one of these shepherds, right? And you've just seen the heavens ripped open, the glory of the Lord unfurled before you, this angel army manifesting themselves, and they're telling you to race to the city of David, right? To race to the city of Bethlehem to find the source of this great joy that they're telling you about, a deliverer, a soter, right? Mashiach, Christos Kyrios, right? That's who's there. The Savior has come. And you're just running, and you remember something. He said something about a mom and a baby and a manger, and you're just running, right? You get to the scene, and they race there, and they find everything that the angels said. They find everything as they said. And what do you see, right, when you get there? Mind you, you just saw all of heaven opened up before you. Do you see power? Do you see a manifestation of power? Do you see strength? Do you see someone who looks like they're the commander of this angel army. No. What do you see? You see a newborn baby boy. Please, if you can, let your heart feel how odd that is. Let your heart try and feel how unexpected that is. Friends, God gives himself to us first. First, as a baby, as a baby, people who know me, they, they know that I really love babies. And it's not just because I'm like the celibate uncle who can just, you know, I enjoy the baby, then the baby starts fussing. It's like, oh, here you go, done. That's not what I mean. I really mean that like for as far back as I can remember, I've, I've loved, I've been so drawn to babies. And I've been so blessed and so fortunate with so many friends who've had uh, a whole boatload of kids, and I have a lot of godchildren, another one on the way, actually. I've had many, many babies in my life that I've gotten to love and to hold, and some of them are actually here tonight. And one of the things that is just so striking about newborns, it's obvious, but it's so striking, is just how totally helpless they are. Totally helpless. Like how all of us, each of us comes into the world so poor and so helpless and so powerless, so vulnerable. And as we age, as we get bigger and as we go through life, those are the very things that we most hate about ourselves. That we're poor and helpless and powerless and vulnerable. But that's how God showed up. I'll put it this way. Newborns, they don't really look like saviors. They don't look like Marvel superheroes. They don't look like soldiers. They don't look like commanders. They look like squishy-faced old men. <laughs> I sat with that scene with the shepherds. That's where I was drawn in my prayer this week as I was preparing for Christmas. I was shoulder to shoulder with these shepherds looking into the scene in the stable, peering in, looking down at the manger, and yeah, there is something different about this baby. It's like this sort of infrared light radiating out of him. You can tell there's something different, but you just get the feeling like these shepherds are thinking, this is awesome, but we're still going to have to wait a few years for him to do anything. We're still going to have to wait a few years until he gets bigger, before he gets stronger, before he can do any saving. 
And I walked away in my prayer. I walked with those shepherds finally after a few hours away from the stable because they eventually had to go find their sheep. (laughs) And I felt like I wanted to tell them, and it's what I want to tell all of us tonight. I think that you misheard what the angel said. I think you misheard what the angel said. I think you heard, I proclaim to you good news of great joy. For today in the city of David, a child has been born for you who will be your Savior, Christ and Lord. And I wanted to say to the shepherds, and I want to say to us tonight, that's not what the angel said. He said, no. The angel said, for today in the city of David, a Savior has been born for you who is Christ and Lord. In other words, friends, like, he is from the beginning. Like, from this moment, lying in the manger, swaddled in clothes that are just ripped rags from Joseph's back. I mean, in fact, even before this moment, go back to the very first moment of his existence, the Annunciation, when he was one cell, this singular whispered secret in the womb of Mary, when he was one cell, and when he was two cells, and then four cells, and eight cells, even from that moment, from this very start, he is a savior. Like, he is saving. He didn't have to wait to grow up to get bigger and stronger and smarter to start saving, to be the savior. And I think, friends, I just think perhaps, I think all of us, I think, need to contemplate that tonight. We need our, our vision corrected, like we need new lenses to see this. Because I know some of us come to Mass tonight, come to Christmas tonight. We've had a hard year. That we come here tonight with a lot of big things going on in your life. A lot of big hurts and big frustrations and big fears and things that are big and hard and scary. And I know some of us feel like we've been pounding on the heart of God for days and weeks and months, maybe this whole year, feeling like, God, I need you to do something about this. Like, I, I need you. I need you to do something. I need you to fix this. Things that you're dealing with, things that are, you're, you're carrying, right? Health stuff, family stuff, kids stuff, work stuff. All, it's, all of us have stuff, but big stuff. And then we come to Mass with all of this stuff, and we come here, we're invited by the church on Christmas Eve, on Christmas Day, and we're invited to adore and worship a newborn, to fix our attention, to fix our gaze and our hearts on a tiny baby. And maybe we're thinking exactly what those shepherds were thinking as they walked away from the stable that night. He's cute, but he can't do anything. Like, like, I don't want the helpless God baby. I don't need a helpless Savior. I don't want the little one who can't speak, who can't walk, or who can't talk, or even lift up his head. I I don't want a helpless Savior baby. I want want the God man, the one with the beard, (laughs) and the whip in the temple, like, who can stretch out his powerful hands and calm the storm. I I need... a storm-calming, temple-cleansing, pilot-confronting God. Not a milk-drunk newborn God. I, what can he do for me? What can he, what can he fix? 
Like the one who's lying in the manger, what can he do? What can he fix? What can he make go away? Like there's part of our hearts that are just crying out saying, I want, I need you to be powerful, not powerless. I need you to be invincible, not vulnerable. Like you can't even lift up your head. All you can do is need me. That's all you can do. All you can do is just be with me. And to that, I say, precisely. Precisely. Like the first time I remember holding a baby, not just when like my little brother was born and I was five, I don't really remember that, just, just you know, I don't know if they're real memories or just memories from pictures and stories that come together, but like the first time I remember holding a newborn and the experience and the memory of it. I was probably 14 or 15 years old. My cousin, my oldest cousin on my mom's side, him and his wife, they just had a little boy and all the family was over at my parents' house for Christmas and all the aunts, all my aunts were taking turns holding this little guy, right? All the aunts were taking turns. He's like hot potato back and forth, right? And, and like someone had a timer for, you know, like, okay, your turn's up, right? All, every woman in here is like, yeah, that's right. All my female cousins, same thing. And at some point, my, my cousin's wife, she must have noticed that I was just kind of watching, right, looking at him. And she said to me, she just goes, do you want to hold him? And before I could say yes or no, she just like plopped this baby in my arms. Again, 14, 15 years old. My dad called me affectionately back then. It was so sweet. Bull in a china shop, right? I broke everything I came in contact with. So I got this baby in my arms, all of a sudden you just freeze. And I'm thinking to myself, don't move, don't breathe, don't blink. Do something with the neck, that seems like an important thing. And after a little bit, right, after a few minutes of that, after a few minutes of that, I sat there and I, I began to relax, right? And I just found myself gazing at this little guy's face. He was a really cute kid. And he wasn't doing anything. He wasn't, he wasn't opening his eyes. He didn't even look at me, right? And yet, there I was. I found myself just lost in wonder, looking at his face. Kind of in adoration of this little life in my arms. And I, I wasn't thinking about me or preoccupied with my world. I was just lost in the amazement of this little life, mesmerized, like just captivated, like totally captured. And I was so struck, like looking back on that memory, I was so struck at what it felt like to be the place where he rested. What it felt like to be the source of comfort and goodness that he just relaxed into me, that he found me comfortable. I didn't find me very comfortable at 14, 15 years old, and yet here he is just finding me very comfortable. Let me come back to that. Friends, the nativity of our Lord that we celebrate tonight, that we celebrate every year, it's not, it's not in the category of a historical event that's locked away in the distant past, now only, be, only to be commemorated by Christians every year in the same way that like, we Americans commemorate 
our country's founding on July 4th every year. We look back to that and like, let's have a little celebration every year. No. Like that mystery of the little baby, the little baby God's birth, it is in a certain sense like the heart of everything. It's the heart of everything. And, and, and it's, it's certainly the heart of every single Mass, which means that every single Mass, we are invited. We are invited to Bethlehem, to the city of David. We're invited to the manger to behold his littleness, the littleness of God, the humility of God, his poverty. His littleness meets us in the Mass, every Mass, in our littleness, his poverty meets us in our poverty. Like, our God does this thing that is just beyond imagining, that he subverts every one of our expectations. He comes so low and so little. Like, we come here, we come to every single mass, like, beckoned close to the vulnerable heart of Christ, who in the manger, like, arms extended, begs us to love him, begs us to come close to him, Like, yes, it's true. Theologically, it's true. It checks out. And every Eucharistic celebration, the whole Christ becomes present in the Eucharistic species. That's true. But like when we look at how he comes to us in the Mass, how he shows up every single day, every single Sunday, is it not much more more like the first Christmas? Like power wrapped in powerlessness majesty, right? Majesty, glory, wrapped in humility. Glory wrapped in the ordinary. Part of what makes being Catholic so hard is that it is so ordinary. It's so mundane. It's so easy to overlook the miracle. Just like it was so easy for everyone in Bethlehem to walk past the stable. So ordinary, so mundane. And every single Mass, each consecrated host is like a newborn Christ. Seemingly powerless, seemingly helpless, seemingly nothing. Every single Mass, the infant Christ, the little Christ is handed to you the little and helpless Savior is placed in your arms. He, he entrusts himself to your heart, holding nothing back. And what does the little Savior, what, what does this little baby want to save you from? What, what can he save you from? From thinking incorrectly that you have to do anything more than open to receive him. We are all laboring under the delusion that somehow I have to win his approval. Somehow I have to earn it. We all are the older brother in the prodigal son story, deluded that we think that to be here, to receive his love, requires an impressive spiritual resume. He saves you 
from thinking that you have to impress him. It's as if, like, the most pressing need in the heart of God, it's as if God was saying, I must get close to you. I must get close. You must let me get close to you. And he knew, he knew that there would be no other way that we would ever let him. He, by being so little, he saves us from giving him the Heisman out of fear. If he were bigger, we would keep him for sure at a distance. That's what we always do when the treasure comes close. What did Peter do the moment he realized that Jesus was standing there, that God was confronting him in his boat? Depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. What did Paul do? He freaked out and thought, I am so unworthy of this. What does St. Paul say, though? We hold the treasure in earthen vessels. If it was up to the earthen vessel, we would never let the treasure come close. Because we would never think we were worthy of it. That's why he comes so small. He saves us from the deep fear that we all carry that in the end, I'm not wanted. Like he wants to save you from this abyss of solitude. That he's the kind of baby that nobody else is waiting to take him out of your arms. Nobody's looking at their watch thinking, you've already had your five minutes with him. He's in no hurry. He leapt from heaven to get to you, and he has all the time in the world. And like as he rests in your arms without a word, without a fuss, he's trying to save you from the fear that you're not good, that you're not preferred, that you're not desired, that you're not delightful, that you're not wanted. The prophet Isaiah, we heard it earlier in Advent. The Lord says through the prophet, Comfort, give comfort to my people, says your God. The comfort that he gives us is that he tells us that we're comfortable. I find you comfortable. He saves you by wanting you. He saves you by needing you by becoming so small and by becoming so vulnerable to lure you close. He's like this Trojan horse of humility. Like who's afraid of drawing near to a baby? Nobody is. Again, the angel says, for today in the city of David, a savior has been born for you who is Christ and Lord. Like friends, before he mounted the cross, before he was laid in the tomb, before he broke the prison bars of death and his resurrection, he was already our Savior. And perhaps tonight, perhaps this year, more than ever, the kind of Savior that we most need is the one who just wants to be with us. Who just wants to be with you. A tiny Savior. A helpless Savior. Who just wants to lay in your arms and get that close to you. One of the psalms that David wrote centuries before the birth of Christ, it's Psalm 63. In that psalm, David says something pretty extraordinary about God's love. He says, he says, your love 
is better than life. Your love is better than life. What kind of love is better than life? What kind of love is that? What kind of love is better than life? What is this love? You have to come to the manger to find out. You have to hold him to find out. He is magnificent, and he is little. He hung the Pleiades, and he hung the Orion's belt. And he needs to be held, and he needs to be kept warm. Like He who needs, he needs nothing, and he needs you. And the little cry that breaks out in the Bethlehem night, that breaks the silence of that silent night, that cry, it's the cry of the heart of God that's just crying for you. And he's crying for me. Today is born a Savior. What a Savior he is.